Welcome to Elevate Health Podcast, sponsored by Elevate Health of Pierce County, Washington, and One Pierce Community Resiliency Fund, a subsidiary of Elevate Health. This episode features a community care conversation with licensed clinical social worker and therapist Kim Bjorn, Elevate Health's Director of Clinical Integration and Transformation. Today's topic is healthcare integration, specifically the assessment of behavioral health in physical health settings. Kim's guest is Dr. Jeff Reynolds, Dental Director for Community Healthcare of Pierce County. Now here's our host, Elevates Kim Buer. Hello, I am Kim Bjorn, the host of this episode of Elevate Health's Community Care Conversations podcast. Our guest today is Dr. Jeff Reynolds. He's a dental director for the Community Health Center of Pierce County, and I got the pleasure of listening to to Dr. Reynolds um, speak at a meeting, and I knew he would be a great, great guest at our podcast. So I'm so thankful and glad you're here, Jeff. Um, I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you, Kim. Yeah. So for those who don't know you, um, what is your professional background and how did you come to settle in the Pacific Northwest? Because as you speak, people will notice that you have a bit of an accent. <laughs> yeah, I'm from South Tacoma. <laughs> um, actually, I've been in dentistry for about 37 years. Uh, I went to the University of, of Mississippi. Um, uh, Ole, Ole Miss. Miss. Ole Miss. Thank you very much. <laughs> Go Rebels. But um, I've been doing community health center work for about 33 years of that 37 did some time in private practice, but I've worked at nine different community health centers throughout the country. And um, I do that because it's a passion for me. It's a passion to help people that are underserved, uh, that don't have insurance, those patients that can't afford care. Mm-hmm. And that's why I do it. And, um, you know, I get to use dentistry to the top of its profession and taking care of patients who otherwise wouldn't get care if I weren't, wasn't there. So um, I wouldn't trade what I've done. For mm-hmm. nothing, it's been a profession. It's very rewarding to me, and I don't have a problem going to bed at night, mm-hmm. saying that I've helped somebody uh, today, and and so it's a real cool thing, a good opportunity for me, and I've enjoyed every bit of it. It's challenging; mm-hmm. it's not the easiest place to work, but uh, you know, I've I've really enjoyed it in my career. I think it's wonderful to be able to do it. No, well, you are making a difference. I can say that for sure. And it's quite likely that some of our members of our audience are not fully aware of community health centers and the work it does. Could you briefly describe the scope of CHC's work and perhaps how many clients it serves, if you know that, those sure, numbers? Sure, sure. Uh, community health centers have been around since the late 60s. It started during uh, the civil rights movement in the period of time there. There was a doctor back then called, that. his name was Jack Geiger. And Jack Geiger was very, uh, um, he's very into civil rights. He was also a big proponent uh, in, of of dis- the under serving the underserved. Mm-hmm. So he went to South Africa, and while he was in South Africa, he worked in a setting that basically was a community health center setting. So community health centers are are centers that not only treat your disease, they also treat things the social determinants of health mm-hmm. like. Um, you know, teaching people how to cultivate food, how to live more sanitarily, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. That thus, those are the determinants of health. And so he came back to America, and he decided to open a couple of community health centers in the states. He said, "If they can do it over there, we can do it over here." Mm-hmm. So, first two community health centers. One was in Boston, Massachusetts. 
The other one was in my home state of Mississippi mm. in the Delta, which is still one of the poorest yeah. areas in the whole world, not just this country. And I was privileged to start a community health center dental practice um, in, in that Delta of Mississippi at a community health center at the crossroads where the blues started. And uh, if you've ever been there, you'll know why the blues started. It's just a place that, um, you know, we have a lot of migrant farm workers uh, and people who uh, that's all they do is farm and stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty challenging in that community. So I'm proud that that community health center was started there. So it's grown now. I think there's over about 3,000 community health centers Mm -hmm. in the country. And I think there's a push to try to increase the number of community health centers that are treating the underserved and impoverished uh, populations of the country. So I work at Community Healthcare in Tacoma. I think it's by far the best community health center out of the <laughs> nine that I've worked at. When I started in 2010, we had two dental clinics. Now we have five. Mm-hmm. And in 2019, we had over 62,000 encounters uh, in our dental department. We, in our whole organization, we have about five, I think it's five medical clinics now. And we've seen over 49,000 people in our in our centers and 180,000 visits in 2019 treating wow. patients regardless of their abilities to pay those who don't have insurance and those who have you know Medicaid those patients that are on on all of those other subsidies we have a lot of specialty programs mm-hmm. uh, we have a Ryan White program for HIV patients we have NMSS service where we go out to pregnant women and we help those people uh, and pharmacies are included in this, mm-hmm. so we're kind of a multifaceted uh, service for our patients, one-stop shopping, if mm-hmm. you want to call it that. Uh, so it's a it's an incredible um, uh, way of tr- delivering healthcare. Mm-hmm. It's still the most cost-effective way of delivering healthcare. Yes, uh, in that we have to do. I always say we have to do more with less. I'm proud to say we've been part of the COVID vaccination thing mm-hmm. as well and we've been offering covid vaccines to patients and uh, we've been open in the dental clinic throughout the covid crisis still seeing patients to take care of them so we're there as a, if you want to call it safety net mm-hmm. for patients who otherwise wouldn't be able to get care anywhere else excellent yes i'm a big proponent of chc um, and really capturing the person's life it's really covering the person's life from birth to death absolutely and really looking at the whole whole person not just the physical part of them. Um, so you currently serve as, I'm going to call um, community health centers for those on um, who are listening as CHC. So if you hear me say CHC, that's what I'm referencing as their dental director. Mm-hmm. Um, however, you do have a net reputation beyond dentistry. Oh, oh good. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I see you, is it's particularly your efforts on integration services. Yes. You are really breaking down some of those barriers. Um, and exactly what does integration mean to you and how does it work? I think, you know, integration to me is providing all the care that a patient needs, uh, in particular to our population because they have all kinds of socioeconomic problems and mm-hmm. issues. Uh, tra- uh, transportation is one of them. They can't get there for four mm-hmm. or five different visits. Uh, work is another issue. Some of them have work that doesn't allow them to come through in four times mm-hmm. a week. We have a lot of patients who are single moms who have to work part-time jobs to feed their families and stuff. So integration means to me giving total care 
uh, with the services we have in our facilities, which are, like I said, pharmacy, behavioral health, mm-hmm. dental, medical, um, and Ryan White, all kinds of programs to be able to help patients. And we want to be able to give those patients those services uh, at, you know, very conveniently for them mm-hmm. and comprehensively, which I think is, is important for our patients to be able to get that care uh, in a in a in a quick manner, but also to get quality care as mm-hmm. as, as we you know can. So I'm proud to be able to try to lead that in our department. I think a few years ago, uh, I went to our management team at Community Healthcare and talked about uh, a plan for integration. Mm-hmm. So we developed that plan. We had a, a committee from all of our organization, different groups, medical groups, pharmacy, behavioral health. All the groups came together, came up with a committee, and they developed a, an integration plan, which I think is very has been very uh, good for our patients. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we've had a lot of patients referred to the behavioral health specialist mm-hmm. that have some pretty uh, significant emotional issues. We also uh, deal with the uh, drug addictions mm-hmm. and those kind of things among kids and adolescents. So. Um, but it's really been a great thing to add that to dentistry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so we're working now to try to uh, get more integration between medical, dental. And you would think that's easy because you're in the same building, but you'd be surprised how patients can't make it to the second floor to the third mm-hmm. floor. Uh, and so we're trying to increase those services by yeah. working with providers that, and, and how we do that in warm handoffs and front mm-hmm. desk and stuff like that. So. And I will say that's the thing that really perked me up when you were speaking. Um, the first time I heard you speak was really your integration with um, dentistry and what you do with your dentist to help really educate them in, in supporting the person in that process. I would love for you to talk a little bit yeah, about that because I so, do think you are cutting edge here. Yeah, well, we do. We we have trained our providers to ask those questions. We ask the um, PHQ2 questions, mm-hmm. or two questions, basically. And if the patient answers yes to either one of those questions, then we have a, a referral system that's in place uh, internally where our providers have a resource. What happened was the providers came to me saying these patients are talking about suicide. These patients are talking about issues that I can't deal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can't give them answers to, and I have no resources. So we talked about how we do that. So we've trained them to to ask those questions, interview patients, motivationally interviewing mm-hmm. is what I call it. So where you're getting the patient involved and you're getting and getting answers from the patient and allowing them to to answer questions open-ended questions, uh, and helping them to get help from that way. We also do the SBIRT, uh, a modified SBIRT. It's a couple of questions where we talk about alcohol, drug addiction. Mm -hmm. And if you get a positive response to that, then a referral. We also have a MAT program Mm -hmm. uh, at our center that that we've had the MAT um, program director come and speak to our dental providers about uh, drug addiction and being on Suboxone and mm-hmm. how, how we work with patients that are coming to see us that are on Suboxone as well. So we also have addressed and talked with our residence programs, our dental medical residency. So we have some integra- integration between them teaching medical residents mm-hmm. uh, oral stuff and te- teaching our provider oral uh, medical things like hypertension and, and mm-hmm. you know diabetes and stuff like that. So there's a pretty intense training that I do with our providers in those areas and how we can get those things to 
you know, our, between providers. So the real challenge becomes is getting patients out of the dental chair yeah. into the clinic, which is uh, involves more than just the two providers saying, hey, you need to go see Dr. Yeah. Medical. And so we're working now with our managers who are working with the, the dental assistants and front desk people and MAs on how that system all integrates together mm-hmm. and where we can get a patient seen. Uh, we have worked with behavioral health now, and any patient that is talking about suicide can get seen that same day. That's so great. It's 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 been really a great teaching. It, I've learned a lot myself mm-hmm. from this, and so every time we have somebody come in and talk to us about you know a drug addiction or our emotional issues, we have a foster care clinic by the mm-hmm. way downstairs that we participate with. So we're learning a lot about different things and my providers are getting that education uh, and I think doing a great job. I think they're doing, you know, they're really into it. They're asking questions mm-hmm. to the patients. I think it's improved our patient satisfaction. Oh, absolutely. Uh, scores and stuff as well. So you know, I'm excited about that opportunity and it growing to be a bigger deal within our community health centers. We'll be back with more in just a moment. Elevate Health podcast is a new series produced by Elevate Health of Pierce County, Washington. Elevate Health's mission is to build and drive community coalitions that result in better and equitable health care for all in Washington State and beyond. For more information, visit us at elevatehealth.org. Well, I will say, um, well, integration and transfer pa- transformation are my title. So integration is a big driver for the way I do my work. And when I see somebody doing it well, I'm always like, how do I get you in front of other people to really share um, what you're doing? Because I work with a lot of agencies. I work with large hospital systems and clinics. And integration is hard. It sounds in concept like, well, all you have to do is this, but it's timing, it's it's training, it's having the motivation to do it. And that's right. the piece that really impressed me yep. with you is that you are really motivating your providers, your dentists, right. and you're following through by observing them. Mm-hmm. doing motivational yeah. interviewing. I mean, yeah. you you do so much because you not only are you the director, you're hands-on. You, yes. you see patients yes. and you're also building your team. Yes. I mean, to me, um, the patient's the most important mm-hmm. person in the, in the whole, and, I, and my providers know that. And I try to convey that message and live that message mm-hmm. that our patients are the most important people there. And so I look at it, their total health is the most important thing, should be the most important mm-hmm. thing that we all do. Uh, and I'm fortunate to have providers who have that compassion. Yeah, We try to look at and get back providers to come in that have that compassion. It's part of the interview. Uh, you know, this is our mission. Mm-hmm. It's probably not for you if it's not your mission. And so, you know, I'm that mission-oriented, driven person who wants to make sure we have providers that are there that's compassionate. Mm-hmm. It cares about the patient that they're seeing, and I'm fortunate to have a team of 26 providers in the dental clinic and to have a great medical uh, mm-hmm. director that we have and the medical team that we have. I think the cooperation is there, but you're correct. It takes work to make the integration process work because it's not just about providers 
uh, the desire to do it mm -hmm. between providers or the desire to do it between teams. That's the reason we came up with the committee of all mm -hmm. the different groups. Um, there's different levels of integration. You can start with your basics and have a collaboration. There's a difference between collaboration and integration. Yep. And so we're not at level six where we're fully integrated. I want to be at level six. Mm -hmm. uh, and I would like to see all community health centers at level six because it doesn't make sense to me to have all these services in one building and not being your patients yes. having access. Because if you go into a medical complex, sometimes you look at it and go, wow, this is a medical complex and there's different people that are different. Mm -hmm. They're not even affiliated. So we're trying to educate our patients. That's one of the big things now is trying to get education materials out to our patients that shows them we're going to, we're trying to create a super visit. Yeah. Okay? So I've talked to the CMO about this and he's saying, great dude, that's wonderful. Go <laughs> after it. Uh, it's easier said than done, but a super visit where patients know when they come in, you're going to see the dentist, you're going to mm -hmm. see the behavioral health specialist, you'll see the, your medical provider. Yep. Probably start with pediatrics. That's what we're doing now. I talked to him about this about a week or two ago, so we're now moving forward to do that, probably reinstating our committee, bringing that committee back together and say, here's the concept. Mm -hmm. You guys came up with a great plan, but here's how we want to enact it and advertise a super visit. So we have pictures of superheroes and all this other stuff for our kids to see. And so we're hoping we can get that implemented. That's the next thing on the horizon. It's a great idea. Um, when I worked up at UW Medical Center, when people would come, they were, you know, UW, they do intense, they do transplants. And when somebody would come in, because they may not be from the area, they would right. come in, they would see the provider, they see their social worker, they see the dietitian, they yep. would see the nurse. And that's a great way of just knowing, okay, this yep. is half the day is going to be getting my health taken care of. Yeah. So yeah. great idea. Well, we kind of hit this, but um, why is integration necessary? It's integ integration for me is necessary for a patient to get total care. Yes. I mean, the health is not just oh well, I got a cold today. I think it involves a lot more than that. There's social determinants of health. Uh, we're called community health centers for a reason. Mm -hmm. uh, if we were not involved in community, we would just be health center. Yeah. So. The community part of this is very significant because what's happening in the community has a direct bearing on how the health goes. I mean, if you're, very true. We, we've seen that in, in recent days, we've seen that th during the COVID uh, crisis. We've seen that through the, the, the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm -hmm. We've seen that in, in a community that's in need. And it's not all just medical needs. You know, uh, it, there's all, all kinds of needs. And so we're there for community. And I see it uh, being able to offer those things to our patients that need us the most, dental care, health care, emotional support. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we've done things before like diaper, um, you know, giving out diapers to mm -hmm. people. We try to do those kind of things, in, you know, from a community standpoint and level and involve our community. It's very important that we're out there trying to get community involved in this process it's not just our internal integration uh, and that thus our relationship mm -hmm. with elevate health yeah. and, Elev and these other things is gonna you know it's very important that everybody's on that page to bring and make integration happen because it takes as i think who our ex-president's wife mm -hmm. said 
Uh, it takes a village. Yes, it does. <laughs> so. It definitely takes a village. So what changes are you seeing that really trouble you? Yeah, I mean, I think if we're looking at health status, COVID naturally has, has changed the way healthcare is, and um, it's changed the direction of a lot of things, and I think it's going to have an everlasting effect on the way we practice. For one thing, I think it's bringing some even more challenges through the variants. Uh, those have caused us a lot of trouble, I think, in healthcare and not having as many healthcare professionals to help with the needs there. Uh, I think that's the immediate problem that I see, and uh, with this variant, it's changing the way things are. Uh, but I think we'll overcome that. I think we will move forward and being positive and trying to get people vaccinated and mm -hmm. trying to get people taken care of them from that perspective. I think we'll probably see an increase in, in more poverty. I think we'll probably mm -hmm. see an increase in more homelessness, which I see around me. Uh, working in a school-based clinic and stuff, I see kids that come in there that are homeless uh, that are dealing with all kind of emotional problems, drug addictions, suicide. Uh, it's just it's tragic. A lot of people are fleeing from uh, major cities now mm -hmm. into, into Pierce County. They're moving from Seattle. I think there's challenges there as we see on the news. Turn the news, you'll see uh, things about homeless, homelessness every day. Mm -hmm. And so it becomes even more important that we get integrate services. Yeah that we see patients promptly, that we see see them and get them in, get them taken care of, and get them back out and stuff like that. I think that's that even drives it even more. It's going to be more challenging, but I think we can move forward and try to take care of it. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I see the biggest challenges. Can you think of an example recently that came across that really kind of shows that challenge that you're seeing? Yeah, I mean, there, there's several yeah. that I could— talk to you about, especially through the school-based program, I think as I mentioned to you, it's probably been the biggest eye-opener in my career is working in a, in a school-based clinic and dealing with some kids that come in. I've had a kid come in that came home and found both his parents uh, dead. Mm. Uh, very um, introverted, uh, was so, uh, socially just not connecting with anyone it was very challenging. He came in to see me in the dental clinic um, and, you know, trying to communicate was mm -hmm. very difficult with him. Um, didn't have a whole lot to say. Um, and so I found out that he played guitar. And so I play guitar. Mm. So what I did one visit was bring my guitar in and was playing guitar and he was playing guitar. So we kind of opened up. And so he began coming to see me more and get, we'd get the dental work done, play a little guitar. And so, you know, he got it to where he was having communication, talking with me. I think that's an example of the people that are out there suffering. And there's a lot more kids I could go into that are living in a box outside mm -hmm. of school trying to get through high school. Uh, kids that have made suicide packs with their mom. Uh, it's unbelievable, some of these things. Mm -hmm. And it just woke me up to this you know you see these things on tv mm -hmm. how tragedy happens in schools and what happens but i see why and yeah. I, and i you know i would like to see every school in in washington state have school-based health clinics and so it yeah that's an example and there's tons and tons of examples of how patients are have come in and been served and taken care of through through the integration process yeah. of him. 
Well, you definitely hit a point. And the fact that you work with Bethel School District, that's the rural parts of our county. Yes. And I think some of our audience members don't always think about homelessness right. being in our rural areas oh, or yes. that it's children. You yes. know, we think about the addict that's panhandling on the corner right. or the assumption that they're an addict. And so it's really important that, that we, we talk about this and see that, you know, Schools are community. They're yes. the one place that is everywhere that serves all of us it's true. Um, in our community. And talk about pressures with COVID on the teachers. And yes. and, and so I, I agree with you. We need to get more services in these schools because right. the, the general ed teacher cannot be right. the one to do it all. And the nurses, I found that out right. by, by participating in the sealant programs in the schools in the in the county. Yeah. Uh, that teachers are uh, and and nurses are yep. overwhelmed. Oh, nurses are just it, it's hard to to do. That. I've seen in schools where the only way they could treat a diabetic child was call an ambulance. Yep. So if you're doing that, then the kids not getting the care they need. Right. So uh, there it's a big challenge here and you know community looks at it and there's been some challenges about school bases and trying to have mm-hmm. school based clinics. I think we worked hard through the superintendent at Bethel and mm-hmm. through the alliance in the state, the school base alliance, and trying to get legislation passed where uh, they're looking at school bases and trying to talk about funding some. Mm-hmm. Oregon has a great system in place and takes care of kids in their schools. They support it through the state. We're looking to try to get some of that assistance mm-hmm. and help in our state so that we can get kids seen in schools. Mm-hmm. So. Prevention is the key to most everything. Yes. And so if we get to our kids early enough, yes. um, we actually assist them in giving them some skills and actually treating what Agree. what is happening in their bodies. When they get to be adults, they're actually functioning instead of continuing to put pressure that's, on our systems. That's, that's right. That's a concept. I know. I'm speaking to the choir. <laughs> <laughs> From your perspective, what should be the top priorities in terms of health care in Pierce County? Uh, you know, it, it continues to be, to me, giving people total care that they need. Mm-hmm. I mean, there you would think with the health care facilities and stuff we have, we've had more people. If you look at people that are on Medicaid, um, the, there's only like 40% of the people that are taking advantage of it. Mm-hmm. And even with kids, it's like 55 to 60% of those kids that have coverage are taking advantage of mm-hmm. that coverage and, and getting care. I think it's still a ch- challenge of access, and it's still a challenge of education and getting pe- people, making people aware. Uh, I think we need to do a better job of doing that in the community. But I see it, at, you know, um, like we said, unfortunately, poor is going to be around. Homelessness mm-hmm. is on the increase. Uh, and I think those are the challenges that we need to meet. We, and, and I'll say this, um, that come see or come to us kind of attitude is probably not the best attitude. Mm-hmm. I think we need to uh, also let's go, go see. Yep. Go to them. And we're, we're now got a, we've got a, a trans, uh, trailer that we're going out and doing some of the homeless sites and stuff with. Um, uh, I'm going to be using it to do some dental stuff in different mm-hmm. communities where we can't go out. There's no clinic there. There's yep. whatever. So I think getting making the public aware and access for our uh, for healthcare is still priority, mm-hmm. and, and and giving quality 
total comprehensive care. Yeah. We'll be back with more of this community care conversation in just a moment. This episode is supported by One Pierce Community Resiliency Fund, the investment arm of Elevate Health. One Pierce is a nonprofit community investment fund focused on improving whole person health, advancing health equity, and expanding health access for the people of Pierce County. To learn more, visit us at onepierce.org. Well, something that I want to go back to with you using your guitar hmm? to make a connection, it's building that relationship. It's creating it a foundation of trust. And I think there are many people that live in our in our communities that don't trust. True. And there's fear that if I expo if I go and ask for help, then something's going to happen to me cuz I'm going to share that I'm using substances or I'm going to share that I li- I live in a home that may be abusive and they're going to take me away. You know, so there's this fear yeah. of of just ex- you know, letting yourself be vulnerable mm-hmm. and asking for help. So True. And you know, I and I see that in patients and you know, I I try to communicate with them. Mm-hmm. And we like I said, we teach our providers how to do that and really speak to a patient, let a patient be involved. Mm-hmm. Most of the time there's fear when you go to the doctor anyway. Especially with dentists. We're yes. the number one hated provider in the country. Nobody you ask somebody, would you rather go to the dentist or the mortuary, they probably mm-hmm. go. I want to go to the dent. I don't mm-hmm. want to go to the dentist. I'll go to the mortuary. Yeah. So I mean, uh, you know, I think there's challenges with that, but but I do think patients, if you give them, if you know how to communicate, if you're communicating mm-hmm. with them, and you show them, because people don't care how much you know until you they know how much you care. Right. That's just the bottom line, and I found that to be true in my 37 years, um, and I can still remember patients 37 years ago. Uh, that I've been able to help, and it's really cool to be able to say that. And so I believe in that. I believe in communication with a the patient. They're human beings. They're people who, who are, are, have needs, mm-hmm. and I believe in letting them be involved. That That's the only way healthcare is going to be successful if the patient's involved in their care mm-hmm. is you can give them things, you can restore their teeth, you can bring them back to health, but if they go back home and they don't mm-hmm. take care of themselves, then they're it's, it's not going to last. So I do think that element of patient interaction and really communicating with the patient and allowing them to communicate to you and giving that atmosphere that they can be open and, and the way and non and being non-judgmental. Mm-hmm. So I try to talk to my providers about having uh, giving the patient mm-hmm. uh, the feeling that, hey, I can trust and I can sp- speak and say what I need to say. So, yep. That's how yeah. I th- that's what I believe in. So well, it's working. It makes me want you to be my dentist. <laughs> <laughs> sure, I bought my drill. <laughs> so, what gives you hope? And uh, there's always hope. I think there's always hope. I think we're and making strides, and I think we continue to to do that. I think there's hope for the future. I think there's hope in in what we're trying to do, even though we're going through a crisis and we move through a crisis. Even through that, a lot of advancements, a lot of things that we're doing, that we're doing right, mm-hmm. be able to do it. I have hope in the system that I'm in because I think we're we have a pe- the people that work with me are dedicated and committed to doing what we're doing. And there's always hope when you have other people that can stand beside you. Uh, and so I, there's always hope for me to in, in what we're doing 
And, and I think because our mission, I always say this, the mission that we have is higher than the mountain we have to climb. Mm-hmm. And so there's always hope. You're always climbing the mountain. The mountain's hard to climb, but the results of this is even greater when you see patients. Like I said, I can remember 37 years ago and still remember patients, how we've helped them get a job, how we've mm-hmm. helped them you know, feel better about themselves. I don't know about you, but most people, when their smile is important to them. Yeah. They want to look nice. They want to look good. I've had patients that come to see me that had a mouthful of decay, mm-hmm. and the casinos came into, into yeah. town. Well, they wanted to go to work, but they knew they wouldn't hire them if they mm-hmm. didn't have a nice mouth. So we were able to take care of their smile and stuff, and they came back and said, wow. I've got a job. Everything's cool now. You know, it's it's a that's hope, and that's I think we continue to have that. I think this country still has hope. Well, there is hope when there's people like you in the community that really. That's dangerous. People like me in the community. <laughs> but we we need people who have passion and compassion, and have really have a purpose that live their purpose and, um, you know, want to really give a hand out to a person and say, I'm here to help you. Right. You know, um, you know, I'll be here for when you're ready. Yeah. And yeah. I'll continue to stand here. And when you're ready, we'll do what you want us to do with you yeah. instead of what I think you need. And I appreciate you saying that about me, but I, but I think I'm fortunate yes. that I'm working with tons of people uh, that have that same goal and mm-hmm. they have that same drive and they have that same mission. Uh, you guys, I mean, I think Elevate Health and everybody else is there to try to improve mm-hmm. uh, the quality of health that people are getting. The, the what what it's about. What can we do to make it better? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think as long as we're moving toward that, there's hope. Absolutely. I was driving here today, thinking I am a very blessed person to be in the job that I have, and I get to really work my passion and. And be able to identify people like yourself and bring them to the table and go, hey, look what this person and their organization is doing to make Well, we got impact. a lot more to do. Yes, I mean, we do. I like to be at that fully integrated level where mm-hmm. a patient can come in there and go, wow. I mm-hmm. mean, I just came in. This is an amazing place. And I don't think a lot of our patients say that, but I would like to see it where that full integration is yeah. there. And we're working toward that. I think that's the goal. It is taking time. It will take some time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm impatient a lot. I like. I would like to see it happen tomorrow, but I don't think that's going to happen. And so, um, it's exciting for me. It, it gives me, you know, it, that's why I keep doing what I'm doing. It's exciting to be able to do it and try to help other people. Uh, and so, and I appreciate you guys. I appreciate every, all that the 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 LIN that I'm involved in is doing, and all the people, the players in that. I mean, the health department's done done a lot of stuff. Best sealant program in the country, probably, yeah. for schools. Uh, and so I'm proud to be in the county where that's happening. I'm proud to be a major player in that and, and taking care of it. And I, so I'm, I'm proud of this county and what it's doing. Yeah, we definitely have all of our challenges. We have a lot of positives here. Um, but we do we continue to work and strive for the, for the goal of true integration Yes, so that the whole person can be treated. So we asked it. Yeah. Well, I thank you so much for being here. Again, I just enjoy listening to you. You have 
You are an authority, and mm. I appreciate your service um, service leadership because I really do believe that's also a real key in um, having people join you and, and join the rest of us as we move forward with serving our mission in this community well, and well, really serving everyone. I appreciate the opportunity. You can tell I don't like to talk at all. <laughs> But I do appreciate the opportunity. Thank you very much for allowing me to come and do this podcast. And and I'm hoping that from this that there'll be people who hear it and that that it'll help them. Yes. Uh, And, and, uh, you know, I'm here with that. And to encourage and try to to increase the number of patients and people that have access to health care. So I really appreciate you. Thank you for inviting me. Join us for more episodes of Elevate Health Podcast at elevatehealth.org. In each episode, we tackle core health issues that affect our community. This episode of the Elevate Health Podcast was produced by Kim Bjorn, Hannah McCauley, and Robert Marshall Wells. The executive producer was Stephanie K. Wright. It was engineered and edited by Riley Eggie.